And now a listener request from Stanley Daniel, as read by John Nelson. In the mid to late 90s, I was attending a small liberal arts college in southeastern Kentucky. The setting was idyllic, full of good times and many friends, but was lacking in many of the pastimes and diversions of a typical undergrad experience. These were the circumstances that led this young cinephile to seeing virtually every movie that was released in one of the small, out-of-the-way theaters within half an hour of the campus. This led to viewings of less-than-cinematic classics such as Call the Conqueror, Warriors of Virtue, and Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. On occasion, though, I found pleasant surprises. This was the case in 1997 when I wandered into the local $3 theater for the latest Kurt Russell offering that had little fanfare. Though Russell was coming off the disappointing Escape from L.A., I'd always been a fan and I was hoping that his latest movie would be at least an entertaining way to spend an evening. Instead, I was treated to a lean and taut thriller that was somewhat of a throwback to a different era. The script was sparse, yet thoroughly engaging. The desert setting was ominous and foreboding. The tension began to ratchet quickly and was almost unrelenting for the entire 90-minute runtime. While it's difficult to steal the screen from Kurt Russell, J.T. Walsh played a truly terrifying villain that I found totally captivating. Finally, this film had an ending that was unsettling while still being completely satisfying. Leaving the theater, I felt as if I'd seen a minor masterpiece. As I contemplated my assessment, I waited to hear of this film's box office successes and critical praise. While it was a minor success and received generally positive reviews, it never received the kind of hype I felt it deserved. What were people missing? Why weren't more people seeing this film? Was I just completely wrong about Breakdown? Welcome to the holdup. Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, we watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longineau. And I'm John Nelson. And John, this month we have, as uh, we hinted at last time, a direct to our listener <laughs> uh, request immediately granted. <laughs> I know. For one, Stanley Daniel. Stanley, thank you for being our dear listener. Yeah, thank you for writing in and requesting it. We're like the genies that grant wishes, <laughs> except we grant a very specific wish. Yes. Although sometimes, John, I hate to break it, but sometimes we mess up on those wishes. Oh. Uh, and here I have to sort of issue an, an, a brief apology to our other listener, Robin S. <laughs> who apparently, yes, our only other listener, by the way, folks. Robin, uh, dearest apologies. Apparently she sent us an email a few months ago. That slipped through the cracks. Jeez. And uh, we she suck. <laughs> Robin uh, emailed us saying, uh, at, emailed us at holduppodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Yeah, don't forget to plug, man. <laughs> where we uh, usually read emails, but occasionally miss them. She, first, she wrote us this month, um, hi, I figured that it was probably too late for the September episode, but did you forget about my email for October? Obviously. Uh, the answer is yes, Robin, I'm sorry. So back in August, <laughs> wow, Robin wrote us, Dear audience, my heartfelt apologies for not being more specific when I suggested the Johns take on a Disney movie as a bit of a palate cleanser. I guess I should have known that after a slew of films with assassins, death, and violence, the Johns wouldn't pick a lighthearted Disney film where only parents die. <laughs> oh no, they pick Davy Crockett king of the wild frontier yes where practically everyone dies practically my bad robin <laughs> and then uh, that was to our listeners and then to us she writes um uh dear johns long time listener but long time writer yes gentlemen 
My most cordial salutations and warmest congratulations on your candy iron anniversary. While you have created many great episodes, I still think my favorite was big. We peaked real early then. That was our second episode. I know. Only disappointing from then forward. (laughs) Uh, But actually, Rob and I agree that Big is actually a really great episode. If you would like to listen to Big, you can go to our archives at holduppodcast.com. Scroll all the way back. (laughs) Find all the... Find Big. Hit more. Find more. Oh, yes. Uh, But yeah, that was a good one. Uh, So Robin continues. My gift to you is this tip. If you've only seen the TV cut of the movie Dirty Dancing, I found that the uncut version changes the movie quite a bit. I'm not sure whether I ever saw the uncut version prior to a couple of years ago and was surprised how it actually changed the story slightly. I assume that you're not going to do an episode on the film, but I'll just say that a main difference is that there's much more to the characters of the sister Lisa and the mother Marjorie. They were originally more complex characters and baby wasn't always as sympathetic as the TV version makes her out to be. (laughs) Anyway, keep up the good work, Robin. That's Uh, interesting. I've never seen the TV version, so I I only know baby to be sort of irritating. Sure. I've never seen any version, as I'm sure we discussed a few episodes ago. I've never seen Dirty Dancing. Uh, So, uh, uh, Robin, uh, again, our apologies. I'm sorry we missed that email. Um, And happy to catch up and read it now. That's speaking of catch ups. Maybe Dirty Dancing is a catch up for you because I uh, think maybe I mean, it is the season of giving and we are kind of granting any request that comes our way. (laughs) And so I think it's only fair that Robin, I think we will do Dirty Dancing at some point. Uh, We have to put it on hold for a bit because we actually have a different catch up that's sort of brewing behind the scenes right now. But we will, I promise you this, Robin, we will slot in Dirty Dancing after that. Nice. So once we finish uh, what's coming down the pike here with uh, the catch-up, I say we watch Dirty Dancing and give as both a uh, thank you and apology to our other longtime listener, Robin. (laughs) Thank you, Robin. Look, there you go. (laughs) See, it's almost Christmas. Yeah, not even Christmas yet, but we're giving out the gifts. We got it going on. Speaking of gifts, you can send us a gift of an email at holduppodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit our website, holduppodcast.com, where you can find links to all of our pages, including our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook, and the like. But now that all that tawdry business is out of the way, Mr. Nelson, uh, this month we are watching, as requested by Stanley Daniel, one film titled Breakdown. Yeah. The Kurt Russell, Rock'em Sock'em, Kidnap <laughs> Wife, uh, Sleeper Hit, as as Stanley points out, uh, not really like top of the box office, if I remember, but I have seen this movie. How about you? Oh, I have seen this movie. I've seen it one time, on, and I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on home video, but I, I heard about the movie before it came out because when I moved to L.A. years and years ago uh, in the halcyon days of the Jurassic era um my roommate was working at a studio at the time you know we were both assistants at the time and he uh came home one night and was all a fluttering oh we had to get dressed he was going he got invited to a preview and he got to go see a preview of this movie because someone he worked with their husband had directed the movie if i remember correctly and he's like oh it's a kurt russell movie and i i I, I, there's trucks in it i guess i don't know so that's my hollywood story about bringing my brush with greatness (laughs) 
So, oh my gosh. You knew someone that knew someone who directed the movie. Yes. I wow. was three degrees of separation from the director. There you go. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Man, living in Hollywood is just like, you know, you're rubbing shoulders with the elite. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Let's just clear up. There's no payola here going on, you know, <laughs> you know to, to like juice up the rating at the end of this. <laughs> you do not personally know the director of this movie. Just, just no, I think he's much more famous now, right? I mean, it's, it, I don't it's, actually know who did, who, who directed Break? <sighs> Down. I, have no I, idea. I don't remember. I think it's. I, I want to say it's Jonathan Mostow, but I don't know. Okay. This this is one of those where, like, of course, as we always state, we don't do research here on the holdup. We just come in blind and ill informed, as we always do, because it's funnier. Because it is better. Yes. Well, that's the idea. Is we're, we don't want to trigger our memories too soon. Right. Uh, but I too have seen this movie. My experience was very similar to Stanley's. Uh, the, it virtually is the same he described. I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on home video much like you did. Oh, okay. But I had the same reaction where, I, 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 frankly, I'm actually super excited to watch this movie because yeah. I loved this movie when I saw it. I thought it was really fun and really action-packed. But you know what? As I sit here gushing over it, I realize I'm getting slightly ahead of myself because we need to let the listener know what the hell breakdown even is. Well, this is easy because even if I don't remember much of the movie, the the premise is like rock solid. It's Kurt Russell and his wife, who is played by I don't remember who. Do you remember? Oh, uh, I do because uh, we saw her last month in Event Horizon. It is yes. one Kathleen Quinlan. That's right. Back to back <laughs> on the holdup, she yeah. returns. I don't have we ever done this? Had two movies in a row with the same uh, actor or actress? Yes, the, she's displacing Amanda Peet as our actress, ah, our yes. favorite actress of note. Yes, the identity changing lanes double shot. Yeah. This is this is our new low key like connection. To yeah, this is how all the episodes are like connected, man. <laughs> They're all like lost. They're all secretly connected behind the scenes. Well, that's the thing is if you dig deep enough, most movies you could probably find a connection to. Certainly, but uh, uh, anyway, so Kurt Russell and uh, Kathleen Quinlan are uh, on a road trip in their car uh, or truck, I forget which, but the their car breaks down. Uh, the titular breakdown. <laughs> yes. Uh, and for some reason, Kurt Russell thinks it's a good idea to send his wife to the gas station to get help. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, women are just as capable of uh, getting murdered and uh, kidnapped as anyone else. I, I, I suppose he probably would have gotten murdered and kidnapped if it was him. So, you know, maybe she just uh, took the bullet for him, so to speak. But anyway, she goes to the gas station to get help. And never comes back. This is like the uh, action movie version of The Vanishing. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, quite literally, actually. Yes. It's very similar. It's a very similar movie, although The Vanishing is more of a psychological thriller oh, yeah. and doesn't have nearly as many explosions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you should watch the uh, non-American version of The Vanishing, folks. Highly recommend it. Anyway, movie. Uh, so Kurt Russell goes looking for her and discovers that for whatever... I don't remember exactly why she's been kidnapped by truckers. J.T. Walsh plays the, uh, the evil trucker lead Correct. who's kidnapped her for some reason beyond my understanding because it's not like you can just guess well they probably have money right they're broken down by the side of the road so they gotta have some money socked away right i don't know what the reason is but it kidnaps her chaos ensues many trucks blow up and then stuff happens at the end where i'm not going to tell you but you can probably Certainly. guess <laughs> yes that is generally accurate i uh i remember the movie as well um to your point about why the wife uh goes to town if i recall they are broke down on the side of the road and then jt walsh in his truck pulls up oh i see it's out says he'll oh hey what's going on 
and then in the course of sort of grifting them kind of talks them into like well here you stay here with the car and i'll take your wife into town like kind of deal so that is like essentially when she's kidnapped um if i remember there's also uh, the hows and whys of why it's happening i guess we'll we'll leave those cards unplayed as of now (laughs) but if i remember there's a quite a fair amount of lady vanishes-esque gaslighting going on it's that classic like this guy Oh, right. Took yes. My wife and hey, you deputy, I'm looking here. This guy, JT Walsh, and he's doing the like, what are you talking about? I've man? never met I, you before, I, bro. I don't You're I right. never saw your wife, you know, so it's like basically that's part of the mystery of the movies. Kurt Russell's kind of going crazy where no one's believing him. Right. That like his wife is missing or whatever. Um, yes, but I but I do remember the movie. I really liked it. Yeah. And my brother and I sort of um, jokingly called this movie Redneck Rampage. Nice. (laughs) Which we loved because it has, uh, you know, as you said, trucks blowing up and stuff. It it has a third act that gets pretty nutty, if I remember. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing is I don't exactly remember the circumstances, but it just uh, it, it goes from like a very grounded like this could happen to you type scenario to like. Well, that definitely wouldn't be my reaction to things, but uh, sure, why not? <laughs> but <laughs> it's this a lot of fun. is, um, John, this is like a super duper well-worn territory of the the kidnapped wife, right. the angry husband seeking vengeance. Uh, understandably, it's sort of been done many times, but what was it about Breakdown, do you think, made it stand out a little bit? Well, without having watched it in 10 or 20 years or whatever it's been, I, I well, A... Kurt Russell is always awesome, so there's that. Sure. I mean, he even made Escape from L.A. tolerable because <laughs> Stanley's right. That movie is kind of garbage. Oh, yeah. Except for him. Um, but, yeah, J.T. Walsh is great, and, you know, those two actors going head-to-head, you don't need to do much. Yes. Um, but I do remember that because the third act sort of ramps things up to this weird hyper-action-y degree, it's, it's surprisingly well done because, again, it shouldn't... This is exactly what movies would in the 80s and 90s would do. They would just ramp up to a ridiculous extreme, and you'd be like, that just wouldn't happen. <laughs> right. But for whatever reason, I remember it being like, yeah, this wouldn't happen, but at least they realistically sort of got to this place. It was almost like um, that Nick Cage movie. I'm, we're just going all over the place with movie references. Uh, Red Rock West. Oh, sure. It's that like, has been featured on this podcast. Yes, before. this is like the indie... Well, Red Rock West was the indie version of Breakdown before Breakdown came out. <laughs> yes, and before U-Turn came out as well. Yes. <laughs> Which just was Red Rock West, Which if just, I recall. Yeah. We should have that one on next. <laughs> I never saw it. Really? I, yeah, I saw the trailer with Sean Penn. It's Oliver Stone film, right? Yep. Which mm-hmm. you, and, you and I have had this conversation uh, sort of off mic, but we have very <laughs> different views of Oliver Stone. So yes. I'm sure I was like, well, fuck you, dirt. I don't need to see this shit. Uh, <laughs> That's but, kind of foreshadowing, by the way, but we'll oh, get back wow. to that. We're doing a lot of that this evening as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, t- I, I totally agree with you with your point on JT Walsh. Not only do I think he's great in the movie, I think he's fucking phenomenal in the movie like right. i love kurt russell don't get me wrong i'll, I'll watch the thing all day like any, <laughs> all his john carpenter shit all his other movies like kurt russell's great i'll even watch fucking soldier i don't give a shit like <laughs> <laughs> like that's how good he is jt walsh is i think one of them one of the most like underrated character actors he's like fucking great in everything he ever did right by like a lot and this is, you know, I always saw him in movies where he was like almost a f- like a lower rung mid-level character actor, not 
heavily featured right or usually in some sort of ensemble film yeah but this is, I think, the movie... <laughs> what, what, what is it? I, yeah, you know what I just realized? Yeah. We're talking about J.T. Walsh. He was also the bad guy in Red Rock West. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> See? He was good in that, too. That's so. why they said, well, let's just remake Red Rock you're West. Right. Yo, no, you're totally right. Because Dennis Hopper sort of overshadows him in the billing, so you kind of forget about him. But yes. Yeah, he's like yes. the Kevin Spacey of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. It's like everybody in this is amazing. And then there's this guy. Who's Kevin Spacey? And then he goes on to be it's super like, oh, famous. Right. But I, I feel like, I mean, even above Red Rock West, this has got to be the biggest part I ever saw him do. He's essentially the main villain of the piece. Right. He's kind of the second biggest actor in the movie next to uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. I, like, and he's fucking great in it. Like, he yeah. he plays an asshole better than <laughs> damn near anybody. I mean, it, he's really, really good in it, from what I recall. He's just got a... He himself is just so naturally grounded. I don't know what it is about him that he just... Because even in Red Rock West, he's kind of hamming it up a little bit. Yeah. But you just kind of buy it because he's never, like, completely breaking that thing. He's stretching it as far as it'll go, but... He's got a natural skill at just being the like the most normal dude, which really helps when he plays a villain like this, where it's like, well, he's obviously not normal if he's, you know, a maniacal kidnapper. So it helps to have somebody with that kind of charisma, you know, play a villain. I'm sure we'll get into it. And, it's, and you know, as realistic as it's going to turn out, there's going to be some like, wait, he wants gold bullion or whatever. It's like <laughs> there's going to be some ridiculous like want or ask in this. And it's like, oh, OK, well, thankfully, it's JT Walsh. But he's, yes. yeah, like you say, he's he's he was in uh, what Pleasantville as well. He was like sort oh, of a yeah. side character. Yeah, he's sort of a villain in that, although uh, certainly a more sympathetic, grounded one. But yes, he's, he's sort of almost like the you know the the mayor and the music man or something. <laughs> right. Like this this antagonist who's mad about all the the color that's coming to right. town. You know, quite literally. Well, and he just he has. I mean, this is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. Hopefully, but in Pleasantville, it's like all this stuff is going on in the town outside him, and he says. The most dry line ever, but it's still hilarious to me. It's like, you know, all this stuff's going on. Thank God we were all in a bowling alley. <laughs> right. And again, that's the stupidest line that's ever. Great. And yet he just sells yep. it. It's it's great. I was always partial to him in Needful Things. The, oh. the sort of... He, he's uh, the guy who's like going deranged in that movie, if I remember. That was everybody, right? It's like borderline falling down. Yeah, but right. no, it is everyone. But like, oh boy, is it JT Walsh. <laughs> like he's just giving it like 8 billion percent. And I oh, always man. remember that. You know, I watch Needful Things every few years. That's one of those movies that I'm like, oh, I should check that one out again. I watch it and then I completely forget having watched it. It's interesting. Yeah, I can tell because it that that's so touchstone for me. I really like that movie. And every time I bring up Needful Things, you have this glazed look like you're like, I know that's a movie. <laughs> well, I, I've read the book. I've, I, yeah. I actually really enjoy the book. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good movie. I, maybe we should check it out. I, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we're just lining our, our our next year up here. This is great. We'll see. Uh, but is there anything else you specifically remember about <laughs> Breakdown? I mean, the thing is, that every time I think to myself, what happens in this movie? All I remember is that a truck, like, flies off a, a freeway embankment and, like, mm -hmm. vertically hits the ground, basically. And I mm -hmm. do remember thinking when I saw that, Let's like... Let's say that's very late in the movie. Right. <laughs> but I remember it very specifically because oh, it yes. was, like, a that's huge effect. Like, and partly I, I'm guessing it was a huge effect because they didn't do something silly like that earlier on in the movie. So it's like a big deal. But yeah, I just remember them doing that and me being like, how did they afford that? Because I yeah. know that this was like an indie movie. 
but there's sort of a an action movie. I don't know if you remember this or not, but there, there's sort of an action movie punch to that moment that mm. I've always like. Imagine I don't know what age you were when you saw this movie, but I was in kind of high school. Okay, so imagine a you know black t-shirt wearing <laughs> <laughs> young John Longino, uh flannel outfit on. <laughs> And like metal sign up that that'll about sum up where I was at. I remember watching this movie doing a lot of like, fuck. Yeah. man, <laughs> Yeah. Like, cause because it is like a power fantasy movie. If I remember mm. like, it's that classic, like someone gets bullied, right? Gets pantsed, <laughs> made a fool and then turns the tables, right. you know, and goes like, I don't want to say action hero. It's not like, it's not like her Russell's Arnold Schwarzenegger or something. Right. But he definitely like hits a breaking point and is like, "Now who's hunted now, motherfuckers?" Well, yeah. You know well, that kind of he, thing. He has a breakdown yes. of a guy, so oh, that, yes. that's thematically appropriate. Well, I just, I mean, I don't remember specifics about what I like, but I do remember he plays one of those kind of action heroes that's like, he's not an action hero, right? So everything he does is sort of. You know, the stakes are higher because it's like, well, if I fall off the side of this truck while it's going 90 miles an hour, then I'll probably die. You know, and that's, you know, every action hero's worry, but he looks terrified, (laughs) which is great because that's what you want is in, you know, you want conflict and terror in your movies so that you feel empathy. I think I think that's how that goes, right? That's I think so. <laughs> that's film philosophy one on one. I don't know how much empathy I had watching it, but I, I was definitely <laughs> a douche. I mean, that's the thing. Maybe when I watched this movie, I didn't. I certainly wasn't married. I definitely <laughs> did not have a girlfriend. Like, like <laughs> so I was probably just like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, fuck like, him I, up, dude. <laughs> I wonder. I, I doubt it, but I wonder if part of me will be a little more empathetic to the situation. Like, oh my god, right? My wife's kidnapped. This is horrifying. Like, so rather than being like a fun old romp, right? Like, I wonder if it'll be scarier for me. Well, I, I, dude, I remember at the time. I don't think I had a girlfriend, but at the time, it still was scary because it's like, oh, that's uh, again having seen movies like The Vanishing and this kind of sure. movie. It's like, dude, that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea that, like, oh well, you try and trust people, and look what happens. By the way, why do you think this kind of kind of kidnapped wrong revenge movie that they make a lot right what is really appealing about that because this is definitely in that vein like oh my god my wife everything's got this righteous like you're the fuckers that took my wife right well i mean come in kind of thing you're sort of answering your own question it's like that that there's the easy character motivation right Right. it's like well his child needs a surgery or you know his wife gets (laughs) kidnapped and we've talked about this before too like road movies just have sort of an innate like tension to them right like you're already out of your comfort zone because the main characters are presumably out of their comfort zone they're not at home they're in their car but their car can be fucked with very easily compared to your house or apartment (laughs) so yeah and when you're just like the fish out of water then you know i think naturally you empathize with like oh man i would also probably react that way i would feel scared and tense you know so it's probably just you know these all these artifacts it's like the john wick thing it's like well you take a dog and you kill him and you know everybody just feels like yep that's the color by numbers it's just when they do the color by numbers stuff well, then you're like, oh, right. shit, it's not just plugged in there. You know, some producer didn't give a note like, well, you got to kill the dog. <laughs> right. I guess, you know, it, I guess the, then the question is where on the scale 
of these kind of vengeance movies. I mean, is it all the way to Taken like <laughs> level of quality? Like, do, like, oh my god, a masterpiece? I mean, is it a bottom ba- barrel? Bar- I, I the reason I ask this is I feel like this movie sort of writing a weird line where it has essentially lower a level A list actors. Right. I mean, Kurt Russell, JT Walsh. You know, these are people that like are insincere good movies but the movie's kind of a b movie yeah it's sort of got this grungy like you know trucker revenge bullshit (laughs) that like they seem a little above that right so like i guess actually i guess here's the question is it actually good is it like dumb (laughs) fun where what is it i well this is the thing i don't remember if it's dumb i remember when i saw it i had had a couple of years of build up to it and i remember thinking oh this is actually smarter than i thought so i'm guessing even if there's dumb stuff in it it's it's that execution thing it's like well yeah you could probably have this exact same movie exact same actors doing dumb shit and as long as shit explodes properly and the bad guy laughs and gets shotgunned in the face or whatever then people are like yay i got what i want i paid for I'm guessing it's this it's it's this addition of like the little details we keep talking about. It's like he's a you know a, a real guy who is terrified. JT Walsh is probably you know a douche and an asshole, but probably not like you know Hans Gruber or something. He's not sure, like a super sure. genius or something. It's you know you sort of uh, the relatability and the the grounding and the minor details sort of add up to like a ooh this is a more visceral experience because I feel like it could happen to me again. Die Hard, you know. A movie like that it's like it, it's mastery is in taking an action hero and grounding him in this movie it's taking a regular dude and making him an action hero right you're right i think you're right it is almost budget on the road die hard like, <laughs> right like, like kidnap wife every man you know pulling bubble gum and tape and shotguns or whatever exactly you know jt walsh yeah like a low budget hans gruber type well, I don't remember exactly cuz like you say there was a fair amount of like I didn't I didn't even remember this but you're right there's a fair amount of like he has to get past the hurdle of being gaslit too. It's like he goes there and he's like my wife's missing. Yes. So there's a fair amount of just like him having to deal with like people not helping him. So it's not like he's jumping off buildings from the start. It's it's building to that and then I yes. it, it, then toward the end then that's when it's like he's jumping on car but cuz before that he's just kind of fighting people fist to fist right he's like going truck actually now that you say that it's sort of jogging some of my memory I think 2 thirds of the movie is more in the vein of like a Hitchcock thriller almost like a duel or something oh. you know where it's more like tension on the road yeah gaslighting oh my god where are they not a, not a lot of like you know well, it's not the opening of Predator. You know, right, where, but see, maybe that's the interesting thing. Taken, it's very straightforward. It's like, right. we've kidnapped your daughter, come and get her, and he's like, okay, I will. Bam, bam, blop, blop, and here we go. This one, it's like, if you if it's like you say, and it's sort of Hitchcockian, then they're drawing out the tension. It's like, what's going on? It's sort of a mystery to be solved. You know, there's that addition, or there's that added thing of like uh, Kurt Russell has to be a, like a cop or yeah, a, you know a yeah. detective, basically. Well, I think because now that we're talking about it, my memory sort of jogged, and I don't think it's too much. Of, we're obviously talking about it has a sort of a violent third act. If I recall, it, it is more of a mystery movie, and the big mystery is where is my wife, and I need to find her, right? Right. And if I remember. There, there comes a point where his, you know, investigation essentially leads him to a farmhouse. Okay. 
And that is where the movie sort of goes from, you know, <laughs> Hercule Poirot <laughs> and a notebook <laughs> on to, you know, all of a sudden, like, it's fucking on. That's what I remember. It's okay. like he's rolling up on the Texas Chainsaw House and is like, let's go, <laughs> you know. Well, you know what's interesting? I talk about this thing where it's like, well, in Taken, Liam Neeson's daughter is kidnapped. He immediately finds out about it and immediately launches into action. There's no mystery to be solved. The only mystery right. is like, where is she located? Right. This is, I mean, for as much mystery as they're going to inject in it, you kind of know the same thing about this one. It's right. like, you. I mean, there is no part of you when JT Walsh takes the wife away that you're saying, oh, this will turn out fine. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So you as the audience, you know what you're in for. You have more information right. than Kurt Russell. Actually, you know what? I don't think mystery is the right word. I think a more accurate word is suspense. Yeah. I think it's I think, a suspense well, movie that which turns is a, into an action Which movie. is Hitchcock's specialty, yeah. is suspense, not necessarily mystery. So that makes a lot of sense. This is one of those movies, though, that it does enjoy like a, like a solid fan base. Because like... I went to get the DVD for this very recording and they had just released like a brand new all the bells and whistles Blu-ray for it. So uh, and they were. Oh, yeah. And it was almost sold out. I almost didn't get it. It was like I had to kind of look <laughs> That's around. Awesome. So people well, are fans of this movie. I would count myself among them in that I kind of we'll see because maybe maybe my memories are poor, but I kind of always know when I find like a good one <laughs> right? because I remember my brother and I rented this and there's a difference between renting a movie, watching going like, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Right. That was fun. Returning it flies never, out. Never of thinking of it. Yeah. It flies out of your brain versus like, Oh, Hey, let's rent breakdown. Oh shit. <laughs> and then like, let's watch it again. You know, like that, <laughs> like we definitely like double rolled them on the rental. Oh, or we, like okay. next day we were like, let's fucking do it again, baby. <laughs> like that was always a sign that was like, Oh, this one's really enjoyable. And then I definitely, that's the thing. I, I, I didn't just see this one time. Okay. I definitely saw, have seen this movie like three, four or five times. Okay. Twice initially, <laughs> uh, definitely a, a nostalgia, like three to five years later, like, Hey, remember breakdown? Let's watch it. <laughs> Let's you know? see it again. Another five years after that, like, hey, you know, it was good breakdown. And so I've seen it like maybe three or four times. It's just been definitely been a decade or plus since I, the last time I watched it. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you when I saw it. I just know that I didn't see it in the theater and then sometime later in life saw it on DVD or sure. whatever. And that was the end of that. But it was a one time, one time, okay. one and done. So that, that actually, that makes sense. That might be why I remember more than right. you do, obviously, cause I've seen it more. So that, that checks out. But I do also, I, I did note when I got my uh, rarefied DVD that it is also one of those movies I enjoy because it's short. It's like 90 or 97 <laughs> oh, minutes or yeah. something like that. It's like, oh, you understand me. Oh, fantastic. You know what I like. A short-ass movie. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, like, I, dude, I love a long-ass movie. I will watch the, you know, Avengers Endgame or, you know, the latest James Bond movie, and I will enjoy myself. But I, I do have to admit, when I'm sitting down to watch, especially at home when I'm looking to watch a movie, I'll look at the times, and if it's oh, like yeah. 90 minutes, and I'm like, this movie... It knows. It just <laughs> well, fucking and, knows. And, and frankly, dear listener, a little peek behind the curtain. You know, uh, when we do these recordings, we're not just watching a movie for two hours. It's an extra hour plus. Like we're setting up, talking about it. 
So every time we turn on a movie, it's like two and a half hours. We're, we're just like, God damn it. Because we know that's like a one or two a.m. like done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whenever we see 90 minutes, there's a smile on our face. We're like, yep. oh, yeah, like going to get some sleep tonight. This is great. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is it's like either I'm going to bed early or I'm going to get to watch another 90 minute movie. It's like, oh, I might get to see two movies tonight. <laughs> Being well, old is terrible. Never do it. Yes, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely don't. Your body breaks down. That's that's what happens. Uh, well, Mr. Nelson, uh, we're about to go check out Breakdown. Oh, yeah. Do you think Breakdown will hold up? I can't imagine it not holding up, honestly. I mean, this seems... I, I'm glad that this was a listener request so that we have the excuse to watch it because I'm really <laughs> excited to see it. But I'm pretty sure that it's going to hold up. Awesome. Uh, I would agree with you, uh, given I said I saw it like four or five times. <laughs> right. Bar the only asterisk would be if some there's some major thing that didn't bother me once upon a time, and now the forty year old John has some sort of problem with it. Right. That could happen. Yeah. Unlikely, but possible. But yeah. I, I agree. I think it will most likely hold up. Because this is late nineties, right, or ninety seven, yeah. something like that. Oh yeah. yeah. I think the yeah. honestly, I think maybe the weakest trope in it is that the woman gets kidnapped you know what i yes, mean yes yes and that's Which, like just, i said it's just tired that's yeah i mean it plot. is like, but it's also like well again either she's gonna get kidnapped or kurt russell's gonna get kidnapped it's a 50 50 i mean i know what we're talking about and it's actually more like a 99 one <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean of anything that would probably be the trope that suffers the most but i'm guessing that they'll have an explanation that'll at least you know keep us moving here's hoping <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but... <laughs> All right, well, we are going to turn the ignition, find it stalled out, put our thumbs out in the highway, get picked up by Sago, and go watch Breakdown, and we will be right back. This is crazy. Look at this. If you win this mailing contest, you can choose between $90,000 or 90,000 donuts. A leisurely cross-country trip. What the hell? What did you do? Hang on, I can't steer. An unexpected breakdown. Can you believe this? A helpful passerby. Folks all right? Our car broke down. I can give you a ride to Bell's, a little diner about five miles down the road. They got a payphone. You call a tow truck. They just come in and haul you out. It could happen to anyone. Excuse me. I was supposed to meet my wife here. It's just dark hair, about 5'5". Five, five. Doesn't ring a bell. Pull over! Now an ordinary man. Listen, I, I'm looking for my wife. Look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've never seen you before in my life. Has an unbelievable story. It was him. It was this truck. The police are doubtful. I searched the truck. No sign of a struggle. The locals are suspicious. Well, there's over 100,000 people go missing in this country every year, all vanishing without a trace. But he's not worried about the ones who think he's crazy. My wife did not leave me. He's worried about the ones who know he's telling the truth. You the fella looking for his wife? I saw what happened. We're going to be watching you. When do I see my wife? So the Jeff should start walking. Get down on the ground! Oh, he's just one in on him. What do you want? Kurt Russell. You better pray she's alive. 
Breakdown. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from Breakdown. Mr. Nelson, how are you doing? Never break down in a desert. Yeah, uh, so you're from Arizona. What yes. is this what it was like every Tuesday? Just, you know, kidnapping people and shotguns? Well, and- I'm sure the kidnapping I wasn't exposed to, but our car breaking down in the heat of <laughs> the Arizona sun, yeah, that happened all the fucking Checks time. Checks out. Yeah, I actually, my father, uh, when, we ha- when I was a younger kid, my family bought a Datsun, you know, a, a, a smallish car, and they hauled a trailer behind it because someone told them they could and the car kept breaking down <laughs> for some reason uh and my poor father was always the one that had to walk into town and get kidnapped by truckers so, oh man yeah that that <laughs> happened uh quite a bit to us in the uh in the 80s fair enough well uh, i have to say having returned from the movie i would say that our memories of it are incredibly accurate Spot it was on. pretty much exactly as we remembered well, uh, there were a couple of uh, things here or there that I uh, was delighted to see again that I had <laughs> no memory of. Uh, <laughs> just just off off the top, it, it's towards the end of the movie, but I quite enjoyed. There's a scene where Kurt Russell finally finds his wife in uh, J.T. Walsh's barn, <laughs> and uh, he's got the family at gunpoint, gets them to like let her out, and is now walking them down into the cellar where he's going to mm. lock them in. Yeah, the, the lock-up cellar. And uh, J.T. Walsh turns to give a, 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 a frankly, practically obligatory villain speech where he's like, <laughs> listen, you better run. because when, And he gets like less than a sentence in before Carussell just like like hits him right in the Hauls face off and kicks him right in the face yeah just kicks him right there knocking his ass down and then he just slams the door that really i just laugh my ass off at that like because it's so like offbeat you're so used to like he's gonna say his line right we just don't even waste time yeah. to give him the moment he uh, didn't even get to it that was yeah there were a lot that. of little things like that actually it, it, now there were a lot of uh, things that happened toward the end, you know, like I said, it's like we sort of talked about. It's like they keep it as realistic as they can for as long as they can, but there comes a point where they're like, "Well, I mean, this is a movie. We got to sort of bow to the, sure. the genre here." But it's not until the very last like car chase where <laughs> shit just goes fucking haywire, which is kind of great because it's yeah. like up till now things have been like they they've been really making an effort to be like, "Okay, Everything's got to be earned. It's got to be realistic. You know, we're not going to have any just like slam bam explosions or whatever. But there comes a point where like they're chasing them at the end (laughs) and one of the cars like crashes and it rolls over and then blows up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah doesn't just, just catch fire. It hits like, a rock and just kaboom. Just like. <laughs> fireballs it. Like it's a TNT popper on 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and by that point, it's just like, I mean, we're in the home stretch, so you don't. Go, you're like yes. well i mean too late to, to back out now but it is kind of funny that they're like okay we're going whole hog now and that's where the truck falls off the inner pa- <laughs> this is actually the thought occurred to me at the end because uh you know they're i mean we're gonna skip to the end evidently sure. yeah uh, well so- we, we i mean frankly we covered a lot of like the early <laughs> territory and this is definitely the, the last bit of the movie is probably the most memorable stuff. And yeah. it's no, we were being a little coy, <laughs> right? But, but now having seen it in all its glory. Yeah. So they're fighting on a freeway overpass uh, and the truck is sl- uh, JT Walsh is trying to slam their car or their truck or whatever they're in off the, off the overpass. Um, but then 
Kurt Russell wrestles him and then the truck falls over the side and it's dangling off the side and then they're both trying to crawl up and then they chain fight for a minute and then uh, JT Walsh is thrown by the chain off into you know uh, the abyss and falls on the you know into the dry riverbed below and and looks dead and should be dead for all <laughs> intents and purposes so then there's a few more minutes of stuff happening and the truck is still dangling and at the last second they look over there and JT Walsh is starting to stir he turns his head <laughs> like Jason Voorhees yeah like, exactly exiting Crystal Lake so uh, Kathleen Quinlan like hits the you know uh, releases the brake and then the truck falls and, and JT Walsh is crushed by his own truck the cause of all the misery <laughs> and I'm like of course because this is a movie and no irony can go untouched in a movie <laughs> you know what I mean it's, yes <laughs> there was a lot of that kind of stuff in the movie that I was like, well, that 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 makes sense. All all ironies achieved, achievement unlocked, all ironies found. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of another choice that they made right at the end where Kurt Russell is about to, you know, drop JT Walsh to his death. There is a moment that passes between them, and this is the Schwarzenegger, the Stallone, the Willis, that is exactly where they would go. I got the drop on you. <laughs> and then throws him off the cliff. Keep on trucking or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, but they they just look at each other and they focus the camera on Kurt Russell's eyes, like Sergio Leone, like tight. And you can just see in his eyes the, yes, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. And it was great because I was like, oh my God, this is, I was waiting for the, the line. Whatever it was going to be, I was like, oh, come on, let's get it over with. And they didn't do it. I was like, Oh my fucking God, thank you. So well done. Yeah, and I appreciate that it was Kathleen Quinlan that pulled the brake and ultimately committed the murder on him. Yes. Because like, Kurt Russell's been our hero the whole time. That was a nice little sweet, like, she gets her justice too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, again, yeah. all ironies fulfilled. It's like the yes. one who gets kidnapped gets her revenge. So. <laughs> she gets the last laugh on this dude. Yeah, exactly. But the best part is that they're not laughing. I like no. that the movie ends with... They're just traumatized. Nary a word. They don't yeah. even talk. They just like sit there holding each other on a freeway overpass, and we slowly crane away. Mm -hmm. Actually, that's another thing I should mention. Uh, there was a dedication in this movie to showing isolation quite a bit and they and usually it was kurt russell it's like yeah he'd be standing somewhere and the camera would pan very wide away and just show you how wide the space he was in or alternately there'd be times when he's like standing right next to the like basically right in front of the camera you got a close-up on him and he would like turn or he would look around and then they would manage to pull off the trick of like even though he's got you've got full on his face you can still see so much behind him Again, it was like almost like a Sergio Leone movie. It's like they wanted to show the wide open spaces and the vistas and all that stuff. And I was like, this is really, I mean, every chance he got, the director would show you him like he's isolated or, you know, JT Walsh is, you know, hovering behind him or whatever. It's just, it was, he was really good with like manipulating physical space. Yeah. And there was no necessary need to do that like it was just a nice cool directing yeah. cinematography touch yeah that really added a, a layer to it and i you know sometimes i would have to catch it because i feel like there were a couple times he's like look at this showy shot look how cool <laughs> it is but usually that was a, to a purpose to like yes kurt russell is alone he has been you know beaten down this is how bad things are but there would be other times i would sort of like i say i would catch this manipulation of space and i'd be like oh that's clever because there's a lot of other shit going on at the moment so it's not just like look at the shot look at it which 
Sometimes I like and sometimes I hate. I have to admit, I'm very wishy-washy about that. You know, some people are like, I don't care what's happening in, right. you know, the plot as long as the shot is amazing. And I'm kind of like, eh. Well, this was used sparingly. Like, it wasn't right. every shot. Then it would be meaningless. Like, it, they, he picked his spots. Right. Well, like De Palma does that a lot. Yeah. Brian De Palma will always let you know, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> which I kind of appreciate, though, which is like, well, That's I know funny. what I'm getting with this guy, so... Anyway, just a nice touch. Yeah. Good job. I agree. So now having just watched it again and it's fresh in my mind, I can I totally see why I really loved the movie when I watched it. And it's because that last 20, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, like the, the nutty zone, or as my <laughs> brother and I call it, redneck rampage. I mentioned right. that. But that, like, it's really funny. Yes. And it's really funny because the movie for a majority of the movie is like a real movie. <laughs> Painstakingly, you know, measuring the stakes of like, oh no, there's, it's like, I, they want $90,000, but that's a lie me and my wife told. And how am I going to do this? And oh, I'll trick them with the bills. And there's all this like drama and tension over the most minute tiniest things like a look from the from the diner employees <laughs> right. or, or a, a you know a, that car turning around on the road or whatever like the stakes are fairly small even though it's a kidnapping movie right and then on a dime <laughs> he just walks in guns drawn on the the trucker's family and his buddies having breakfast <laughs> and from then on it's just it's like mortal combat like yeah. it just goes totally <laughs> crazy and i remember that being really funny to me and yeah so this whole like every other line's just like you son of a bitch and then just like <laughs> beating him up they do this fucking thing where the kid the, the his own son draws down on our hero kurt russell the jt walsh has like a kid yeah. that they introduce for a hot minute comes in like winchester rifle in hand there's a <laughs> whole like and my favorite part of that whole sequence is uh there's this tension where he's like listen kid you don't want to do that jt walsh is like do it pull the trigger get him you got him son you got it and it's like what's gonna happen and then they cut to mom and mom just goes do it <laughs> and i'm like oh no like it, like and she doesn't know they they make a point like she doesn't know that well, they're kidnapping people she doesn't shit. know that they're kidnappers <laughs> but i mean i suspect she know who she's and she yeah. knows who she's married to <laughs> she does seem less than she's like honey what is this a, a refrigerator there's a body in here oh my God, it's like, so yeah. weird that this barn that you don't let me in, this giant barn, is filled with dead yes. people's stuff and and a murder cellar. I never suspected under these five padlocks yeah, <laughs> in this place so... you told me never to go to that something was happening. It's here. so weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it is like, what do you make of that? That it just like suddenly, tonally, just goes full roadhouse crazy, like. What, well, I don't mind. Yeah, by the end, it's like, you know, where what are we here for? But I was thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, up till, well, that's not completely true. Up to the point where uh, Kurt Russell jumps on a moving truck and then crawls underneath it. And then once he's underneath it, he's in this like weird, like skeletal, you know, hammock or whatever. So yeah. he's like sort of holding on and you're like. And then he starts crawling Indiana Jones style underneath <laughs> the truck to, as it turns out, to get to a safer space, which I'm like, well, I guess that makes sense, but I don't know what he's going for. I'm like, right. is he going to go like 
punch out JT Walsh because he lost his gun and he, you know, and he's again crawling underneath and they take great pains to be like, oh, this is not easy. Oh, he almost falls a few times. I mean, it's as realistic as you're going to get without him actually just, you know, falling under and being turned into roadkill. But yeah, and then he gets to the safe spot and I'm like, I don't know that I would have done that this is where kurt russell and i start to divorce in this narrative because i would have just held on to the skeletal hammock and been like well i hope nothing bad happens i'm just gonna have to hang here for six hours or whatever it's been i agree with you that it is weird that like it does look like he's gonna try to take over driving the car or something it's not communicated like what is he doing he's not in a safe space but he's in a spot where well, if you just hang on, you can just brace yourself. You don't have to, like, hold on with your muscles. You can just sort of, like, brace yourself. Right. And that's probably going to be good enough. But no, he's like, no, I got to get to the part between the truck and the cab where I can just sit and enjoy my ride. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good excuse for, like, crawling sure. under a truck. But yeah, you just need, like, you said Indiana Jones, exactly right. You needed a good old-fashioned, like, stuntman under a car hanging on right. type set piece thing. But so. that's about where I started to be like, okay, okay, this is where he and I like where, and then once he's in the, you know, murder cellar and once all the, you know, the gunplay starts up and the, you know, that's the point where I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I don't know that I'm an, I don't know that this is an every man anymore, <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, again, you've, you've been with him this whole movie and you know, you can accept that like, well, JT Walsh needs an ass whooping. So as we thought JT Walsh is incredible in this movie, do you remember the line of dialogue he had with Kurt Russell talking about his wife? Talking about Kurt Russell's wife? Yeah, he says something like, he's describing, he's, he says something like, I've got something of yours that you want, about 5'10", brown hair, 150 pounds, about three or four of that is pure tit. <laughs> yeah, I was like floored. I had no memory of this line. I had none. Nor I. None. And well, uh, I was just like, what? The way he delivered it, the most deadpan, just yes. like 122 pounds, three or four of that pure tit. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Like, who wrote that? Well, what I, is I, that? It's a great line because it just shows his fucking callous disregard <laughs> and the fact that he says it so deadpan, like yeah. you say, and so JT Walsh is. It's like, that's him. That's the fucking, you're like, oh, that's the villain. He does not right. give a fuck. I guess it does serve a purpose in that he's been playing uh, like nice guy truck driver mm -hmm. or gaslighting nice guy truck driver. So it very quickly signals like this is in no way the man you saw before. Right. Exactly. This is a piece of shit. Like, yeah. What I found interesting, having not seen it in a long time, was that they never really give Kurt Russell even much of a moment to be like not a dick like have you, did you notice that like he's like arguing with his wife the whole opening yeah he really only has one tone which is just like you motherfucker well like, that's kind of kurt russell's thing though right he's sort of like the he's, he's a variance on nick nolte right just, oh yeah yeah there's kind of curmudgeonly <laughs> when their car breaks down they do give him a brief like they kind of laugh it off and clearly like each other type thing yeah there was like an easy humor between them yeah. which i appreciated i actually i mean Again, for a movie which is, you know, hitting the gold standards of all the tropes, there's, you know, this is the kind of movie where, like, the wife would disappear and the husband starts going fucking batshit nuts. 
like yelling at him. And he kind of has a little bit of that. But whenever he starts to sort of get to the point where you're like, dude, you need to shut up or you're going to get in trouble. He shuts up. He realizes, right. oh, I'm going too far. And then, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just. And you believably think, OK, yeah, he's he's kind of a dick. But he also and he's and I think that I like is that he's kind of a uh, well, we assume he's a rich guy or at least that he's well off because he's got a nice car. But it turns out they don't have a lot of money. They're, you know, they're switching jobs yes. and they don't have a lot of money and savings and they're sort of starting over. But he carries himself like a rich guy and they're from Massachusetts. And, you know, so he's sort of like, I mean, I don't think he it's like a genuine like class difference. But there is that like bumping up of like, well, you're kind of rich and we're all kind of poor. And but it's not like, yes, no, you're right. There was a weird undercurrent of of social commentary about class and society, and he is presumed to be wealthy by the sort right. of impoverished truckers that clearly, frankly, seem to be using it as kind of a flimsy excuse to be <laughs> terrible people. Right. It's like, yeah, you're just a rich asshole. And right. It's like, no, you guys are, are delighting in a woman tied up, all suffocating. Right. You're clearly pretty bad well yeah and obviously they've done this dozens of times before so this <laughs> yeah. you know whatever excuse you know whatever rich or poor it's like you kind of lost that you know high horse that you're on so but that is an interesting tension because the, the only reason they keep her alive is this promise of like money because it seems to me like they're practically serial killers. Like, had they not had a pit, they would have just killed them, taken whatever was on them, and called it a day, basically. If they hadn't had the murder barn, I would Because I was actually wondering that. I was like, well, I mean, how is she still alive at this point? There's no reason to keep her alive. And they, and they made a point of, like, confirming, yeah, we've got her. We're just going to go back home because it's too hot out. You know, cop-wise, not heat-wise. But, like... To me, I'm like, well, th obviously they meant to kill Kurt Russell when they were done with him. So why is the wife even still alive at this point? But then they have the murder barn where they sort of set up that like, well, we're not going to just kill her and dump her in the road where we can get caught. We're going to take her to a controlled environment where right. we can like slowly get rid of her. So, I mean, it's not the best excuse in the world, but it's also like, well, at least there's a thought process and a, and a routine behind it. So... That I kind of appreciated because up till that point, I was like, I don't buy that she's still alive. <laughs> I yes. Don't, I don't know it was about definitely you. a little far-fetched. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a movie. What are you going to do? I mean, the, again, it is nice that they, you know, have a reason that they're not going to just kill her and dump her in the road, except... That's exactly what they were going to do to Kurt Russell was just blow his brains out and well, dump yeah. him. Not 10 minutes later, they're all driving shotguns out on yeah. the freeway. Like, it's pretty much shows over at that point. Like, they're, they're, they will be known for doing this, I would yes, imagine. So. I, I, I guess the, the, the illusion is broken. <laughs> but I mean, JT Walsh escalates to ramming his truck through, like, an RV park that I assume yeah. is his own property. Like, they just run in there. I I just assumed it was one of the boys that oh uh, was there. that it like lives next door that yeah, makes sense. one of them lives there so that's like why that. he didn't care he just I, I guess i mean that's the only reason mm -hmm. i can assume that someone's got a fucking trailer on their property not <laughs> 10 feet from their front door it seems weird that they'd let a stranger set up in their backyard <laughs> especially with the murder Shit, barn that's probably with... somebody else's property that they killed or whatever just oh, left it out there that's probably true um, it's interesting that my memory of this movie was like, oh my God, JT Walsh is fantastic. It's a movie where he's this huge role, like second to the main character. And like, 
I was surprised when watching. It. I was like, oh, no, this he's like barely in this movie, actually. <laughs> he, he doesn't have that much dialogue. Right. Well, his shadow looms very large, though. Definitely. And when he is on screen, he does give his, you know, he, he completely earns his paycheck because, you know, on the one scene, he's got to be, you know, charming enough to be like, hey, get in my truck. And that's not a worry. And then later on, he's got to play that scene we're talking about where he's like, I've never seen you before in my yes. life. And I had forgotten that he does it in front of a cop. Yeah. Which takes a little bit of doing because there was a point where I was like, dude, if it were me, Kurt Russell, I'd be turning to him and just being like waiting for him to give up anything. But to his credit, J.T. Walsh never gives up. Yeah. You know, for that moment, he's in the moment. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the next time you see him, you know, it's, you know, completely the, the mask is gone. He's like, yeah, now where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Which I really appreciate. Well, what's funny is he does that when it's just them. Like, yeah, it makes sense when the cop's there, right? Like he's right. putting on a play for this cop to believe him. But right. it's really interesting that he does it right out the gate. Like, Kurt Russell pulls him over, and then he's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I've never seen you before, man. And Kurt Russell's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And I, I thought that was one of the stronger scenes in the movie. Like you said, performance-wise, that's sort of tough to play. Yeah. Because well, are we meant to, like, obviously we know he's lying. Yes. And Kurt Russell knows he's lying. Unless you're like, wait, does he have an evil twin? <laughs> I mean, there is, like, there, I do remember that moment when I was watching it. It's like, oh, is the twist, like, he's got an evil twin or something? Because <laughs> he put a different USA hat on. I noticed that. Oh, did he? Yeah. It was a different hat? That's when he picks up his wife, he has an American flag hat. Uh -huh. And then when Kurt Russell pulls him over, it says USA with oh, an American flag see, on. Oh, see, that's clever. So you could do some, like, did he switch hats? Is he a different guy? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, the funny part is that scene now thinking about it, it's vivid and it's good and it's got tension and all that other stuff, but it doesn't make a lick of sense when you consider, well, right. Why does he need to gaslight Kurt Russell when he's just going to turn around and extort him? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it makes sense when the sheriff pulls in. Yes. When the sheriff pulls yeah. up, but it's like, so it's one of those convenient, like, they wrote it this way because it needs to be this way because yeah. the scene's about to happen kind of thing. I mean, I, the best you can explain is that like JT Walsh wasn't expecting to see him and just went into that mode because he's like, well, just in case anybody shows up, I can just say, hey, buddy, right. I don't know. This guy's crazy. Well, you could. they don't do this in the movie, but if you want to get real technical, we know that they have CB radios and we know that they're scanning police frequencies. Mm. So you could make some kind of argument like he heard the local sheriff say like, hey, driving down I-20, like right. I'll be there in a minute and knows that there's a cop coming. Uh, yeah, that, but that's they don't provide that. That's just right. a guess. Yeah. But I actually was surprised how well I thought they worked in exposition quite well and like in bending of, of sort of. Uh, things that may or may not happen right. pretty well in the movie. Like one of my least favorite things is is first scene of a movie, two people you don't know, and they do that fucking scene where it's like, <laughs> how long have we known each other? Like how long have we been uh -huh. friends? All that right. crap. But this one, I had to give it to them. Like they wait till the car breaks down, and then she's like, "Wow, we're really doing pretty good, huh?" Ha ha ha! They're laughing like, "Let's run it down." Well, we quit our jobs. Right. <laughs> we're moving across the country. You know, it, and it was purely there to catch us, the audience. Right. up. But I had to give it to him like, OK, that's actually a fairly clever way to kind of weave that in there. That's hard to do. Well, and the way they did it, it's like, again, usually when you see exposition, you can tell that it's been written and they performed it, especially Quinlan performed it in such a way that it seemed like she was just making it up as she went. Like it yeah. seemed improv and the and the chemistry between them and the laughter and things like that seemed natural. So that was actually really well done because it's like 
I mean, they obviously were like, well, we got to put it somewhere. So let's try and really super make sure that we're doing two things, which is like, here's the exposition, but we're also showing this relationship between them, you know, and the chemistry. And I thought that was actually really well done. And they don't have a ton of exposition. It's just, all you know is that they're in the middle of nowhere, no jobs, they're sort of hung up, you know, they're, they're not. And he talks a little bit later about, you know, not having the money to pay for the car. And yes, yes. Cause they, yes, they also have to work in like, Oh, we, they don't have money. Right. And so that we know there's a tension there. What do you make of, I was thinking about this, watching it. Cause now having seen the movie, I know that the guy that he meets in the parking lot is bullshitting him. I get it as a trope in a movie to move the plot forward, but like, if their go- if their problem is we just need to kill this guy, well, at oh that no, because they, they want don't. To- yes, right. This is where the extortion plan kicks in. But but to be fair, he sends him to the riverside, and then the guy just starts popping shots at him and almost drowns him. Right. So at that, well, I think he wasn't expecting Kurt Russell to go through the gate. Like, there's a gate okay. that stops him. Okay. Kurt Russell is turning around to go back the way he came, and then uh, you know MC Ganey, who's been in like Lost and yes. Sideways as as the same, you know, <laughs> redneck. We're, we're gonna have to take your boy. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to take your boy, and we're gonna have to kill you. And yeah, he's awesome. Um, but he comes up and he puts and he holds a gun on him and I'm sure that's the point where it's like okay now we're gonna start this and then Kurt Russell just immediately like jams it in reverse and Got blows it. through the gates. I so think he, he just gets like gun happy where he's like, well, if he's gonna run, I might as well. Yeah. Do this. Well, okay. I think he's you know he's blown the plan already. I think maybe that's part of that trope thing we're talking about. The uh, you know oh you're a rich guy because he makes a big deal out of like oh you got a rich car you got a rich you know I bet a guy like you got all right. kind of money. So it is sort of, and and he's, you know, hinting that he's kind of soft and stupid. So it would make sense that he would believe that Kurt Russell, when faced with a gun and a gate behind him, would just give up. So the fact that Kurt Russell actually does something about it, either out of fear or out of whatever, <laughs> uh, it, you know, kind of throws all of his plans into a tailspin. Actually, that, that scene was a bit of a precursor for what's to come because it gets to this point where uh, he's like on the edge of a cliff with his right. car and you're you're sitting there like okay i guess he ran out of road what do you do and kurt russell's plan is just like gun it down the cliff right and drive the car into the river right and i was like what are you well, doing i think he was trying to jump the river and it's just the, the car <laughs> is like he's up. like doing the duke boys and it, the car is like <laughs> sailing over and then just like plunges into the river which i i really appreciate yeah but that was that was like an escalation of action that I was not expecting and was like, why is this happening? Well, I mean, if you have 10 minutes to think about it, it's like, well, the guy's coming at me with a gun. His car is bigger than me and certain, and right now has much more momentum. So even if I hit reverse and did this, I probably, if I had a lot of time to think about it, then I would say, eh, forward is probably the best, but him having to decide in the moment is like, well, that's, uh, brave (laughs) that's a bold choice but then when you see it on the other side i mean you you know maybe he can't see it or maybe just we as the audience can't see it but then you notice it's not like a drop it's like a a, there's an incline he can drive down so i thought he was like Feldman louising like off a ravine (laughs) i was like oh no so maybe he saw that and was i mean that's the thing is i do like that Kurt Russell in this movie makes decisions and and a lot of times they look like well that's a stupid decision and then you realize oh no he's like like there's a point where like uh he's on a road facing a, a you know one of the guys with guns and he the guy gets the drop on him and so he throws the gun over the side of the road 
and then the guy gets distracted by a cop and then Kurt Russell dives after what I th- at first I thought oh he's diving after the gun then he seems to be just going down this long incline I'm like oh I guess he's not going for the gun and then the gun's at the bottom like it had fallen that far I was like oh he was going for right. the gun that's smart okay I don't know I just there was a lot of like stuff that happened in the movie that they did a good job of like showing how he arrived at these conclusions but it wasn't always self-evident which I really appreciate because especially you know as editors and having to deal with you know producer notes and things like that producers do not like you to be vague or confused about a thing when it happens and there's (laughs) a real thin line about like well you don't have to know exactly what's happening in the moment You, you just have to understand that it makes sense when all is said and done when you can look back and go oh that makes sense so I, there was a lot of that in this movie, actually. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, it's sort of, yeah, there were moments where you're like, wait, why are you doing that? And then it would sort of eventually kind of totally click. Like, I, I'm trying to think. There wasn't a lot of full-on, like, what a fool, I would never <laughs> do that type stuff. Right. Like, every, every, even the bad guys, good guys, bad guys, whoever, everyone makes pretty reasonable choices yeah. that aren't too much of a stretch. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even the bad guys are making like, well, because that's the thing is they're making decisions where, you know, it makes sense that like, well, they're keeping an eye on him or well, he tries this and they have been thinking about that. But so when he makes a decision, like they send him into the bank to get his money. And so when he starts, he grabs like a a letter opener and stuffs it in his shirt. And I'm like, oh, that's smart. Okay. And then he grabbed um, these like dollar bill uh, wraps. Yeah. Not dollar bills, like 50 and hundreds and whatever wraps. So he then. It was like denomination markers that you would wrap around bills to show how much it is. Which I then immediately took. Oh, he's going to. I see what he's doing. He's going to put a lot of, you know, ones in the middle and then like 10,000 on the outside or whatever, which he did. But the clever thing about that, I don't know about you, but it completely because that was the last thing he took kind of distracted me from the letter opener that he had just grabbed so that when he needed the letter opener like five minutes later and it suddenly popped out of nowhere i was like right he took that earlier it's it's a neat magician trick because especially when you work in the business you're used (laughs) to seeing you know when the magician starts waving his right hand then you start looking at his left hand and going okay what's going on that he's trying to distract me from well you're right it's it's because by by dominoing up enough checkoff stuff like and <laughs> and sort of jimmying the order a little bit it's not like a leads to a and now right. b leads to b right it was like a b b a right and you're like oh right yeah yes that is clever yeah there was a lot of that i mean and again all ironies you know uh, uh clicked into place and i don't know there was just it's that cleverly written enough that like everything clicks into place and even stuff that's like well you could lay that off as coincidence or movie you know convenience or whatever i feel like they earned enough of those types of things where it's like eh, this movie sort of makes sense and again has that feeling of like this could happen it probably wouldn't (laughs) not like this but well it's interesting because it's one of those movies like i said just on paper it would be like a C movie that you would like yuck it up once with and move <laughs> on and just be done with. Right. And, and it's, it, it, I, I still think it's that level of like silly action movie, but it is elevated by like performance, clever writing. It doesn't bring it to like an A plus, like, oh my God, what an unbelievable movie that, you know, you must see. Right. Uh, but it's just like, 
it's better than it should be. That's right. like that's my kind of my read on it. Well, it's a kind of movie that we don't see that much in cinemas anymore, which is the mid-level, like you said, the B picture. Like yeah. it used to be the you know you would go to see the, like oh my god we're gonna go see Casablanca or whatever, and then the B picture playing with it was a cheapo knockoff. <laughs> that right. if it was good, then you were you know lucky you, but really you were just there to kill another movie you know hour and a half. This solidly fits into that, you know, slot where it's like, well, this is a B movie. It has no like ambition of like, oh my God, the theme is humanity's evil against it. It's just like, eh, it's a fun romp. There's a little bit of extra smarts in it, like all the best B movies, you know? Right. So I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with a you know, a solid B picture that knows exactly what it is. Well, uh, since we're busting out letter grades at this point, <laughs> I, I think it's time to go with the real grade that matters. Yeah, the only one that matters, folks. <laughs> Which, uh, John Nelson, do you think that Breakdown held up? Why, yes, I do. Like I say, that's a solid B picture, and a B-plus is a passing grade. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? I, I agree. Yes, I do think it held up. I think it, it remains kind of exactly where I had it in my head, which is like, it, it it's not my first recommendation to anybody, but I'll always have a soft spot for it and be like, hey, man, do you see that breakdown movie? Man, mm-hmm. that's some fun. I really like it. Yeah. It's really entertaining. It was solid. It was just like every, you know, you're not going to see anything you've never seen in your life. But on the other hand, you're seeing it in a way you don't usually see it, which is always refreshing. I mean, the only again, the only weakness of the movie I would say offhand is it, the trope of the kidnapped wife. Yeah, actually, I agree. I, I think, yeah, I think where it falls flat is just sort of lack of originality in plot. <laughs> it's it's just the most tried and true. Yeah. You know, it'd be like, a, it's like someone made a Mario sequel and you're like, yeah, it's really good. It's a good Mario game. Like, you know, yeah. it, it's that standard. <laughs> Honestly, in the modern day, you could switch the gender roles like the husband gets in the truck sure. and disappear and it would play just as well. I actually think, yeah, given today's... Like if I if I could garner any criticism against it, I wish it was a little pushed harder on cool stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Like like there is room to to sort of think outside the box a little bit. Right. Or yeah, have like really unexpected things happen. Like it it, yes, it escalates into a a glorious violent, you know, (laughs) buffet. But, you know, I I could there there are, you know, we you and I talk about a green room quite a bit. Right. That's that to me is like that's the next level of like, okay, it's a conceit. You're in danger. What would I do in this situation? But you don't just sort of fall back on the standard stuff. You kind of think outside the box and right. you, make something really cool. Well, and you you give it that reality. It's like, yeah, by the end of Green Room, there's, you know, there were six people and now there's two or whatever. <laughs> now, but right. this movie can't do that because there's only two good guys to start with. <laughs> so and if one of them dies, then that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. And a whole other trope in and of itself. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Then it's a woman in a fridge. And, the, yeah. you know, we could yeah. we could do with less of that. She wasn't a fridge. It's true. It was she rescued. literally was in a fridge. You were right. When they when they put her in the murder dungeon, they locked her in a fridge. That's right. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Every box ticked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I was right. Jonathan Mostow directed it. Oh, yes. The guy who directed, uh, notably, Terminator 3 and uh, that submarine movie U571. The one about the go. Enigma box. And I think Harvey Keitel's in it. 
I haven't seen it, so. I nor have I. But but hey, I was I was sure I, fun. I was glad to see that I remembered uh, the name correctly because <laughs> I would have hated to be oh it's that guy Jonathan Hemsley or whatever who you know used to write action right. movies or whatever <laughs> that would be embarrassing anyway well John thank you for watching breakdown with me and uh, thank you to Stanley Daniel for the recommendation we really appreciate it yeah holds uh, up double hold up absolutely uh, Nelson what are we doing next month hey remember when we were talking about Oliver Stone. I have been wanting, yeah. almost since this podcast has started, to go back and revisit an Oliver Stone movie. So we're going to do several, actually, as discussed by you, Turn, and, uh, and, and others. But <laughs> no. uh, the one that I have settled on is we are going to watch The Doors. Okay. The Doors. Guess who's in The Doors, Nelson? Jim Morrison? Kathleen. Or, uh, Quinlan. Oh, that's right. She's his <laughs> side piece. <laughs> triple uh, shot. Triple shot, triple man. Kathleen. Now, not a major role at all. Like a very no, minor she's role. She's very, very but minor she role. Is but in the movie, you're right. So. I'd totally forgotten that. <laughs> but so wild. So tune in <laughs> for Oliver Stone, The Doors, where we open the door on another Kathleen Quinlan masterpiece. Uh, check back with us next month. Uh, until then, you can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com for emails, any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes. Or you can visit our website, holduppodcast.com, where you can find links to our Twitter page, our Instagram page, all of the great social media stuff. And until next time, nobody move, nobody gets hurt. Nobody move, nobody gets hurt.